You're listening to the Jewel City Podcast. Make sure to rate the podcast and share with your friends. You can join us in person Sundays at 10 a.m. and 6 p.m. We have something for all ages or online at 10 a.m. Make sure to check out our live groups or small groups. In this podcast, we'll hear a message from our congressional care pastor, Aaron Caton. It's good to get lost in his presence. Thankful for his presence. Without his presence, it doesn't matter. Without his presence, it doesn't matter. God is so good to us. The title of the message today is Don't Get Lost in the Circumstance. Listen, we're in line with the Spirit. The Lord gave me this message on Monday morning, October 3rd. I was in his presence and I said, Lord, what's the next message for me? And that, that Monday at staff meeting, pastor said, you're going to be preaching Sunday morning, October 30th. And the Lord had prepared it. I had no clue the songs that would be sung today. I had no clue the, the preaching that Pastor Kerry would bring forth. God knows our hearts and our needs. And we're in circumstances. And sometimes we just want to stay in our seat. And I don't understand why. Because he's calling you out. He wants you to come forward. Circumstances, they come in all ages. They come in all sizes. Little Miss Emmy right here. Before church, her grandma said, asked Rusty, could you get the pastor to come over and pray? She's got circumstances. How old is Emmy? Three. Emmy's three years old and she's dealing with circumstances. She doesn't sleep at night. Restless. That affects the whole house. Tell me that the Spirit of God is not in line with the Word and with the worship today. I talked to another man who's going through a circumstance that things didn't work out the way that they were supposed to. He feels he got cheated. Qualified for a position, but they took somebody who's who's not qualified. Tell me that we're not going through circumstances. That God wants to just release it today. He wants to release anointing up on our life. This isn't a hoop and holler message. But I pray that you'll receive it. I pray that I feel the spirit of intercession already. I just feel it in my heart. That God wants to do something for you. That everyone that's going through a circumstance, he wants to loosen you out of it. He wants to strengthen your faith. He wants to encourage you today. That he's the God that's in control of every situation that you're walking through. Amen? Amen. If you will, stand with me for the reading of God's Word. The reading's going to come out of 2 Kings 7 and 1 and 2. The first first sentence out of 1, it says, Then Elijah said, Hear you the word of the Lord. But before we hear the word of the Lord, let me remind you of Isaiah 55 and 11. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I send it. It won't return void what the, what the master is saying. I'm in charge of it. Whenever I send it, it's going to go, and it's going to do the things that I please it to do, and it's going to prosper in the manner that I want it to prosper in. He said, let there be light, and there was light. The satyrian came to Jesus Christ and he said, my servant is sick unto death. And he said, I'm not worthy enough for you to come into my house, but send a word. And Jesus spoke the word in the very same hour. 
the servant was healed. His word never returns void. I pray today that you get encouragement out of this. Verses one and two. Then Elijah said, hear ye the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, tomorrow about this time shall a measure of fine flour be sold for a shekel and two measures of barley for a shekel in the gate of Samaria. Then a Lord, which I'm calling him a wise guy, on whose hand the king leaned, answered the man of God and said, Behold, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, might this thing be? And he, Elijah, said, Behold, thou shalt see it with thine eyes, but shall not eat thereof. Pastor Rita, will you bless the reading of the word? Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning and we realize what a privilege it is. What an honor it is just to be able to stroll into the presence of the King of Kings yes, and the Lord of Lords. Yes, Lord we have felt your presence in this house this morning, yes, Father. Lord. There is an Lord. anointing here, and it's a heavy anointing. But, Father, I know that you're not finished, and we don't want you to be finished. Lord, I, Lord. I pray, Father, that you would take this word that Pastor Aaron has prepared. And just one day, years and years ago, in the Old Testament, when Aaron Aaron was the mouthpiece for Moses. I pray that today our pastor Aaron will be your mouthpiece. And Father, I pray that you would anoint every syllable that comes out of his mouth. Shake this place like a garment. Set this place on fire this morning, oh God. And the same spirit, the same freedom that one day in the New Testament crept into the jailhouse of Philippi. I release it in this house this morning. I pray that every pew will be shaken. I pray every pew will feel your presence, whether they're saint, whether they're lukewarm, or whether they're a sinner. Flood this place, because the letter killeth, but the spirit giveth life. Let breathe on this house this morning, oh God, and visit us, and Father, help everyone here today that let it not fall on bad soil or bad ears, but open every ear honor every second that our pastor Aaron has prepared every second that he prepared father I pray that just your anointing and your favor and your blessings would just crown him today as it falls on our ears and let it bring forth much fruit we pray in Jesus name amen amen you may be seated give God a hand clap of praise so here's what's happening the Assyrian army has surrounded Samaria There's no plan for battle. But what they've done is they've cut off the supplies and they're starving the Israelites to death. You think that you're going through a circumstance. Well, I'm about to introduce you to a very hard time. The people's hunger and their fear and their hopelessness has caused them to resort to to inhumane practices in order to survive. Let me remind you that we're not too far removed from fear and hopelessness with COVID-19. We're not too far removed from from news outlets terrifying us where we didn't wanna come out of our house because of the reports. We're not too far removed where the shelves were empty, where everybody was fighting for toilet paper while we're hoarding two or three cases at the house. We're not too far removed from fear and hopelessness. It's real, remember those days? So it's real with these people also, their fear and their hopelessness. The people of Israel, In chapter six, it's just referenced in chapter six, the people of Israel are eating unclean animals. They're eating uh, 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 ceremonial unclean animals. Those that don't have a a split hoof, those that don't chew cud, a donkey's head was sold for four scores. 
pieces of silver, 80 shekels. At, eight, at 64 cents, you could get a, a head of a donkey for $51.20. It's so bad where you could purchase a fourth part of a cab, which is a pint of dove's dung for five pieces of silver for $3.20. No, thank you. I'll do without the dung. I'm saving money for the donkey's head, right? I mean, where's the rest of the donkey's body though? That's my question. Why are we just getting fed heads? And how many donkeys do you have that you can feed heads to everybody? Donkey head and, and dove's dung. To me, that's extreme living. I'm probably gonna die in that situation because I ain't eating either one of those, right? We think we got it bad, right? It gets worse. Chapter six, 28 and 29, just referencing. Two ladies are starving and they have this very off the wall conversation. And I don't know which one of them started it, but they said, hey, why don't we eat your son today? And then tomorrow we'll boil my son. We think our conditions and our circumstances are bad. Tomorrow came, the lady that gave her son the first day gets up anxious. Where's your son? She hit him. She hit him. The famine is so bad that people are losing their mind. Cannibalism is happening. I don't understand it. Can you understand this? These are God's chosen people but they've gotten lost in their circumstances. They've gotten lost in their fear. They've gotten lost in their hunger. They've gotten lost in their hopelessness and it's crippling them to where they can't even focus on the great I am. Mm. The king, Jehoram, is enraged with the conditions of the city. The circumstances are so overwhelming that he and the people have forgotten all that God has ever done for them and the testimonies that God has done before them. King Yehoram has his mind and his eyes set up on the terrible circumstances. And he's blaming the prophet. He blames the prophet Elijah and he's seeking to kill him. What else do you do in a time of famine? You seek the only person that's got the one relationship with God, right? You take him out. I don't know if you're in a circumstance, but I believe that there's a lot of us in circumstances today. The way the spirit has been leading us Listen, I hope that you're not looking for an scapegoat. I hope that you're not trying to blame anybody else. I pray that in this time of whatever that you're going through, that you'll draw closer to God and allow him to draw close to you. And you can say, Pastor, I, you don't have a clue. I didn't have a clue what little Emmy was going through. But you ain't got a clue what my family's going through. I'm amazed at God. The beginning of the month, he gave, he gave this message. See, we start looking at the bigness of our problem. We hear the negative reports. We focus on the 401k because the economy is terrible and everything's, everything that we've got stored up for retirement is, is we're losing. My family member or myself is going through a, a storm I just can't focus on the Lord. We focus too much on things. And I'm not making light of your circumstance or mine. 
Cindy's brother, Jay, 49 years old. They just celebrated grandpa's 101st birthday party in September around the 19th. 49 years old, life is but a vapor. You better be right with God. He's in a condition right now. He's in a bed where his legs are swollen. He has a catheter in him. He can't even walk. Just like that, overnight, something hit him and took him down. And then they, they, they give a report. Wednesday night, we're eating dinner, and she gets a text from, from his medical power of attorney that it's cancerous, they believe. Even though last night we got another text, they're going to do another PET scan because they're not really sure. Can I tell you that there's a God in heaven and he's a giant slayer? He's a dead man raiser. He's the same God of yesterday, today, and forever. He's a big God that does the supernatural. He's strong and mighty and he is a holy God and he supplies all of our needs according to the riches of his glory and his power. Israel, Israel has forgotten the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They forgot about the God of Moses who fed the Israelites manna. They forgot about God who fed the quail to them. They should have had their prayer petition on, going out and casting their burdens upon the Lord. The king should have been leading his people in fasting and prayer. Instead, he's worried about killing Elijah. Again, I don't see how killing God's prophet does any good. The prophet Elijah, he wasn't focused on the threats of his life. And believe it or not, he knows at the end of chapter six, the wise guy that leaned on the, 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 the wise guy that the king leaned on, the king sent that wise man, that wise guy to kill him. Elijah sitting there with elders having dinner. It didn't bother him all. He said, just detain him because I still got work to do. Elijah's eyes stayed on the Lord. Elijah was trained up under the prophet Elijah. And he knows God is a God of supernatural miracles. He's witnessed them many times. Elijah spoke the word and God set the events in motion. Elijah spoke the word and was instantly mocked. The wise guy said, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, might this thing be? Listen, don't waver in your faith. No matter what is said, no matter the thoughts that run through your head, don't waver in your faith. Mary told Jesus in John chapter 11, Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother would not have died. In verse 40, Jesus said, if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God. And then he called Lazarus forth. So don't think that it's too late for God to raise you up out of your circumstance because God is in control and he can call you alive in any situation and he can bless you appropriately in the name of Jesus. Amen. No matter the thoughts that race through your head, hold on to God with all of your might. The circumstances may look bad in the natural, but God works in the supernatural, amen? Hold on to God. Keep speaking his word over the circumstance. Keep praying, keep believing, and allow God to put the events in motion. The God of miracles, he makes a way, amen? Verse three in chapter seven, and there were four leprous men at the entering and end of the gate. And they said one to another, why sit here until we die? These men are not just facing famine and starvation. They're lepers. They're unclean 
and they're the outcast to the people. Nobody cares if they live or die. Verse four, if we say, the lepers are talking, verse four, if we say we enter into the city, then the famine is in the city and we shall die there. And if we sit still here, we die also. Option one and two, pretty glim, pretty grim. Gloom and doom, there's no chance at life at all, right? If they go, they die. If they stay, they die. Now therefore come and let us fall unto the host of the Caesareans. If they save us alive, we shall live. And if they kill us, we shall but die. Option three is a 50-50 chance, right? These men, they realize they can't live in their circumstances anymore and they get up and I'm telling you today, I'm telling someone today, you gotta get up out of your circumstance. You gotta get your praise on like Pastor Kerry was telling us because our God is bigger than any problem we'll ever face. So get up and praise the Lord. Stay focused on God and not on your circumstances. Listen, if you stay so much focused, give him a hand clap if you wanna give him a hand clap. Focus on him. If you want to focus on those circumstances in the natural, you're going to die spiritually. God doesn't want that. God wants you to walk in the anointing on your life. Amen. Get up and get your praise on. Take that 50-50 chance on God because he's 100% God. He's real. He never left us. He'll never forsake us. He's with us till the very end. He, you are the very righteousness of God through Christ Jesus, our Lord and Savior. God loves you. Call on him. Verse five, and they rose up in the twilight to go into the camp of Caesareans. And when they were come to the uttermost part of the camp of Syria, behold, there was no man. For the Lord had made the host of the Caesareans to hear a voice of chariots and a noise of horses, even the noise of a great host. And they, the Caesareans, said one to another, lo, the king of Israel has hired the Hittites and the king of the Egyptians to come against us. Wherefore they arose and fled in the twilight and left their tents and their horses and their asses, even the camp as it was, and fled for their life. The Lord has performed the miracle to fulfill the prophecy which was spoken by the prophet Elijah. God simply caused confusion and fear with the sound and noises of chariots and horses with the noises of a great nation coming against them. They lost their mind. They couldn't, they couldn't think right. They thought the Israelites had hired people. The Caesareans left everything behind. Listen, we can't see God working, but he's working all the time. We can't see him in the middle of our circumstance, but he's working. Stay focused. You need to cry out to God. We need to speak his word with obedience and a right heart. God will move the atmosphere and it will change for us. But God expects us to do our part also. He expects us to put our faith to action. The four leprous men came into the camp and they found it empty. Verse eight, and when these lepers came to the uttermost part of the camp, they went into one tent and did eat and drink and carried then silver and gold and raiment and went and hid it and came again and entered into another tent and carried thence also and went and hid it. These four lepers, they've hit in the jackpot. The, the faith to act, the faith to get up, they had nowhere else to turn. So we might as well go, right? They didn't know what the Lord was doing. They had no clue that the Lord had terrified them, had created confusion where they just ran out of the camp. They had no clue. But they knew if they stayed in their circumstance, they would die. So they got up and they moved, not knowing that God was blessing the people. Listen, they could, have, they could have stayed there in their circumstance. 
They could have stayed in the famine and starvation. They could have stayed right there, but they got up. Listen, these lepers, they're considered the outcast, but God showed up for them. I don't know if you consider yourself an outcast. I don't know if you consider yourself that you're inadequate or not. I pray that God will show up for you in your circumstance, no matter how you feel about yourself. Listen, you have value. You are one of God's chosen people. You're created in his image. No matter what you think about yourself, you are valuable to the kingdom of heaven, to God Almighty, or else he wouldn't have gave his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus came to seek and save those which were lost. And if you confess Jesus, you are saved. Amen. They're rejoicing. They're celebrating. They're eating and drinking. They're high-fiving one another. Woo, we got it. Thankful for their newfound treasures. They're rich. But in the middle of the celebration, one of them got a revelation. We better go tell the king. Verse nine, then they said one to another, we do not will. This day is a day of good tidings and we hold our peace. I feel like that's what we do a lot of. We hold our peace. We don't share the testimony. We don't share what God has done for us. We hold it into ourselves. But someone, somebody, everybody needs to hear about God's goodness. You don't know who you're going to touch, who you're going to shake up, who you're going to wake up in the middle of their circumstance by a testimony of how good God was to you. We tell them all about our problems. We tell everybody about our health issues. We tell everybody about our, our relationship issues. We tell them all the negative stuff. But if we can just swing it around and tell them about the blessings of the Lord, he might fill your cup up with more blessings. You know why? Because if you hold on to your blessing and you never pour it out, there's no more room. There's no more room to keep filling it up. So if you keep holding it in, there's no room to fill up. Pour out your blessing. Yeah. Pour it out. Let the world hear your blessing. Let them know that Jesus is your Savior, your Lord and strength. Let them know that he's your high tower. Yeah. Let them know these things. You know, I was asked on Friday. We haven't bought W tickets for a long time. I was asked on Friday, are you going to the game? I said, we don't have any tickets. On Saturday, there was a text. God gave us an option whether or not we wanted to go. But you all know the Buckeyes were playing at noon, so we stayed home, right? It's, it's a good day of tidings, and we hold our peace. The other half of, of verse 9, if we tarry till morning, if we tarry till morning light, some mischief will come upon us. Now, therefore, come, that we may go and tell the king's household. When God blesses you with good tidings, bring your tithe back to the storehouse. Yeah. It's just a side note. You know, the guy asked, the wise guy asked, is there heaven, is there windows in heaven that God would pour out something, right? Well, let me read you Malachi 3 and 10. Bring you all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat in mine house and prove me now herewith, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. God said, bring in the tithe. And that's what they're doing. They're saying, listen, I know that we gotta go tell the king. I gotta take what we've received and I gotta go tell the king. They're bringing it back, right? Yeah. One of the men knows it's in their best interest to tell the king. Verse 10, so they came and called unto the, unto the porter, which is the gatekeeper of the city. And they told them saying, we came to the camp of the Caesareans and behold, there was no man, no man there. 
neither voices of man, but horses tied and asses tied in the tents as they were. The gatekeeper tells the king's house. The king awakes and he comes to this conclusion that it's a trick to go out. The Caesareans are laying in wait. And if we open up the gate, they're going to attack. And he thinks a little bit longer on it. And he sends out a scout team to see if the report is true. The scouting team, they go out and they found garments and vessels and other things scattered by the Caesareans all the way to the Jordan. And the tents were full as they were told. Verse 16 and 17. And the people went out and spoiled the tents of the Caesareans. So a measure of fine oil was sold for a shekel and two measures of barley for a shekel, according to the word of the Lord. And the king appointed the Lord, the wise guy on whose hand he leaned to have the charge of the gate. And he died as the man of God had said, who spoke when the king came down. Elijah spoke the word, there will be food tomorrow. And the wise guy mocked God. We're going to go through circumstances, right? Going through the circumstance, that wise guy was lost in the middle of the circumstance. Really, will there be food tomorrow? He mocked the Lord. Don't mock God. We're going through circumstances, storms in our lives. We're either coming out of it. Don't get lost in your circumstance. When you focus on your problem, you're going to be lost in it. We must, we must know that God is with us and for us. We must face the opposition in the name that's above every name, Jesus. We must face the opposition without fear. And we must live in a covenant relationship with God. We can't mock God by how we live. By the wise guy, as the wise guy mocked God. And Elijah, listen, we must live right. 1 Corinthians 1 Corinthians 6, 9 and 10. As the wise guy was warned, right? Parental advisory from the father to us. 6, 9 and 10. Know you not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived. Don't just get lost in your circumstances, but while you're there, don't get deceived. Neither fornicators, nor adulterers, nor adulterers, nor feminine, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. In closing, if you'll stand to your feet, don't get lost in your circumstance. Don't get pulled away from God. Because it's, we don't go by how we feel. If we did, we probably wouldn't be here today. But if we go by what we read, what we hear, what we learn about Christ Jesus, what we learn about the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, we're going to make it through the circumstance. The Israelites, they couldn't get over themselves to see the miracle that God was doing. God used the outcasts to save the city. God's word came forth and met the needs of the people. His word is full of promises. No matter what you're going through or how impossible you think the situation is, there's a word that will meet you right where you need it. The children of Israel at the Red Sea, the mean old army of Pharaohs right behind them, the sea is in front of them. Moses raised his rod. 
sea was parted and they moved over to the other side. Right in the middle of their circumstances, Jesus, the disciples and the 5,000, the two fish and the five loaves of bread, right in the middle of it. What are we going to feed them? David, they were in a circumstance. What are we going to feed them? Bring it to me. Lord God, I pray that you bless this. Allow it to bless and feed all 5,000, 10,000, whatever there were. And there was still enough after for the disciples to take with them. What about Daniel in the lion's den? In the middle of a circumstance, the king was juked, signed a petition that cost Daniel a night in the lion's den. But he said, don't worry about it, king. The angel of the Lord, you know how he knew the angel of the Lord would come? Because he's prayed morning, noon, and night. He stayed connected to the God of Israel. What about Paul in the prison? In the middle of his circumstance, an angel showed up, smacked him on his cheek, a light shined bright on him, and he escorted him right out the prison gates into the city. What about the woman with the issue of blood for 12 years? She suffered a lot in all of her circumstances. She visited every doctor she could find. But until she touched the hem of his garment, she had to live in her circumstances. But once she touched the hem, the virtue of healing flowed through and the bleeding stopped. We've all gone through circumstances. Carrie spoke about Goliath holding them in their circumstance of fear. But David said, I come against you in the name of the Lord of hosts. And he took down the giant. What about the man with palsy who was lowered down by his four friends? He told him in the middle of his circumstances, get up, rise up, take your bed and walk. And he did exactly what the Lord said. And he rejoiced walking every morning. I don't know the circumstances that you're going through. Job said, he may not come when you want him, but he'll still be there right on time. The biggest circumstance that we ever faced in our life was sin. And he sent his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, so that we didn't have to live in that filth of sin anymore. Amen. God has always made a way and he still will. He is perfect in all of his ways. Keep your eyes on the Lord. Keep speaking his word. Praise him and seek him. The Lord loves you and he has you. Remember, life is but a vapor. How's your heart today? I'd ask you to bow your head and close your eyes. How's your heart today? My brother-in-law, he said, God is good. I'm thankful that he acknowledges God, but I don't know that his heart is right. It's one thing to acknowledge him, but then it's another thing to know that your heart is right with God. No one's looking around. I have to ask you today, is your heart right with God? You may have came in here and, and you, you may have been like, this is out of the ordinary for me. But is your heart right with God? Have you ever asked the Lord Jesus Christ to come into your heart? Is there one here today that would say, Pastor, I need Jesus. I'd ask you to raise a hand. 
Don't walk out of here if you're not right with God. Don't walk out of here lost. We don't know what tomorrow will hold. Is there one today that would raise their hand and say, Pastor, I need Jesus. Is there one today? Is there one today? I'm going to be honest. I feel like the Lord is dealing with somebody today. Is there one? If you're going through a circumstance and you feel helpless, I tell you to come to this altar. God will meet you here. If you feel like you can't pray, we have prayer partners that are here. This message is a right on, right on time message. I believe it from the get-go of service that the Spirit of the Lord had us lined up right in everything. So today, I don't know what you're facing, but I encourage you to take a step of faith as Pastor Kerry sings, this altar's over. Thank you for listening to the Jewel City Podcast. Make sure to rate the podcast and share with your friends. You can join us in person Sundays at 10 a.m. and 6 p.m. We have something for all ages or online at 10 a.m. Make sure to check out our live groups or small groups. 